Hello, I'm Andy. Thank you for listening to Federal Andy. In this episode, I'd like to talk about pardons. Oxford Languages defines the word pardon as, quote, the action of forgiving or being forgiven for an error or offense, end quote. Now, hold on a second. I don't want everybody to run off looking for your buried copy of Amy Vanderbilt's complete book of etiquette. That is not exactly the type of pardon I'm talking about. The type of pardon that I am talking about is the pardoning power of the president of the United States of America. This power was granted to the president in Article 2, Section 2 of the U.S. Constitution. That is the section that sets the guidelines and the rules and the regulations for the federal government's executive branch. I think most people understand that there are three branches of government. We have the legislative branch, the executive branch, and the judicial branch. A pardon is a form of balancing the power within those three branches of government. So here's how it works. The legislative branch writes the bills that create the laws. These usually are initiated in the United States House of Representatives. Members of the House debate, discuss, rewrite, change, modify, and then vote on legislation. Once it passes the House, the House sends it over to the Senate, and the Senate does the same thing. They discuss it, debate it, sometimes they will change it, and then once they vote on it and it passes in the Senate, if there are changes, it then has to be returned to the House of Representatives to be voted on in the House. If the House approves it as written in the Senate with no changes, then it goes directly to the President's office. But if the House makes changes to it and then votes on it and passes it again, it has to go back to the Senate so that the Senate can then debate it, discuss it, change it, hopefully not at this point, and vote on it. But once both chambers of Congress have approved legislation, that bill goes to the president's office where he or she or they will sign it if they agree with it. And once it's signed, it becomes law and it goes into effect immediately if that is the effective date or it will go into effect whenever, uh, whatever date is specified in the legislation. So the legislative branch drafts and creates the laws of the land. The judicial branch is the court system, and that is the branch that enforces the laws and uh, doles out punishment for people who have committed a crime and have been convicted of committing a crime. Sometimes the judicial system may not serve justice fairly or equally. And there's 
different reasons for that. It could be that the person who was accused of a crime might not have good representation. Maybe their attorney is just not a good attorney. They are out there. Perhaps a pertinent fact related to the crime becomes known after the sentencing and the person is already in prison and this fact would completely change the outcome. There's a lot of different things that can happen that can uh, allow a person to be convicted of something unfairly. So this pardon power is a way for the President of the United States, and it has to be the current sitting President of the United States, can use this power to provide balance to help make things right. And it's a, I would say, an easy way of doing it, but it's really not. But it might be better than trying to go back through the court system, although a lot of people have to do that. So the pardon power includes a couple of things. The pardon is forgiveness of the crime. And then there is also a commutation, which is shortening of a prison sentence. There are some restrictions to this, however. The president's pardoning power is limited to federal crimes. The president has no control over and no ability to pardon or commutate sentences that are at a state level or local level. Also, the president cannot stop or pardon impeachment, which is kind of an important thing that uh, we might want to discuss also. So, if you're interested in this, Hang around and we'll uh, talk about it. Episode 11. Pardon me. So, the presidential pardon is the granting of forgiveness to an individual by the president for a federal crime. As we've already discussed in the introduction, a presidential pardon can only apply to federal crimes, and the full power of the pardon and discretion to grant the pardon is vested in the executive branch of government of the president. Now, a pardon can result in an individual avoiding punishment for a crime. However, it doesn't always get rid of the guilt. Because when a pardon is offered to someone, in most instances, they have to admit to guilt. Kind of depends on the circumstances. 
But ultimately, if the president believes that uh, a person uh, is, should not be punished for their crime, the president can grant a pardon. So let's talk about the history of the presidential pardon. Interestingly enough, back in 1789 through 1853, the power of the presidential pardon was shared by the president and the attorney general. Now, the administrative responsibilities of the pardon are shared uh, between the president and the acting pardon attorney, but the decision to pardon rests solely with the sitting president. The specific wording in the Constitution and with no history of a legal precedent, it's not really known for sure if the president can pardon himself or herself or their selves or their selves their self i don't know which is right sorry about that i don't know which is correct <laughs> in in the instance in which it which it's used um normally the president doesn't need permission from anyone including the active pardon the acting pardon attorney to grant a presidential pardon but We've never entered the arena where a president has attempted to pardon themselves for crimes. At least, we don't know if we have. But let's take a look back at some of the uh, more notable uh, presidential pardons from the past. George Washington, back in 1795, he uh, issued a presidential pardon to two men, as well as any other Americans who were involved in protesting and uh, refusing to pay tax on whiskey. This is known as the Whiskey Rebellion. Back in 1868, Andrew Johnson pardoned all of the soldiers who fought for the Confederate Army. A lot of people will remember this one. In 1974, President Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon, who was his preceding uh, executive. Uh, we all know about Watergate. President Nixon was involved in this Watergate scandal, which involved the break-in at the Watergate office complex of the Democratic National Committee office. Apparently, Nixon sent the FBI and CI agents, which was an abuse of his presidential power. So, Gerald Ford became president when Richard Nixon resigned, when he was told that he was going to be impeached. Uh, Nixon resigned office in August of 1974, and Gerald Ford, who had recently uh, come into the vice president's office to replace Nixon's original vice president, a man by the name of Spiro Agnew, because Spiro Agnew was a big crook, and he got caught, 
and had to resign in order to avoid prosecution and prison sentencing and all of that. So Gerald Ford wasn't elected to be vice president by the people. Uh, he just kind of stepped into the position. And uh, people did not like the fact that Gerald Ford pardoned Nixon. And that is more than likely why uh, Ford was uh, only a one-term president and uh, was not re-elected to a second term. And ultimately, a lot of people feel that Nixon should have been tried, prosecuted, tried, and uh, punished for his crimes because this set a bad precedent going forward. In 1977, President Carter, who uh, followed Ford into office, pardoned uh, everyone uh, who got drafted uh, to fight in the Vietnam War. That was a very unpopular war. In 1984, President Clinton pardoned his half-brother, Roger Clinton. Seems that uh, Clinton's brother had been found guilty and was convicted of cocaine distribution. And um, on his last day in office, President Clinton pardoned his brother, his half-brother, and um, 139 others. Typically, a lot of pardons are issued near the end of a president's final term in office because very often they are... Um, <laughs> well, yeah, they can be controversial, so uh, this kind of limit, limits the amount of controversy. Ronald Reagan was president in 1989 when he pardoned George Steinbrenner, who was the owner of the Yankees. Steinbrenner was pardoned for illegal campaign contributions to Richard Nixon's election campaign. President Barack Obama and number 45 both granted hundreds of pardons, which included pardons by both uh, of nonviolent drug criminals. So there have been a lot of other pardons over the years, of course, that aren't as notable. Some of them have been highly controversial, especially when it is a friend or an ally or a contact of the president. But there's so many of them, it's just impossible to go through them all right now. So how would one go about getting a presidential pardon? There is an office that is called the Office of the Pardon Attorney. And this office is the place where requests for pardons are normally received and reviewed. There's a staff there that will look into the various circumstances regarding the crime and the person involved and their conviction. And they go through and find the individual requests that they feel are worthy of being considered by the president, and those are the ones that get submitted. 
when the president issues a pardon, it is essentially an official statement that the crime has been forgiven. As I mentioned earlier, it doesn't necessarily get rid of the guilt. It's just an official statement that they have been forgiven for that particular crime. There's a lot of reasons why somebody would want to get a pardon. When you're convicted of a federal crime, you lose some of your civil rights, such as the ability to vote. You can't be a representative and hold a public office. Uh, you can't attend jury duty, and also you cannot sit on a jury when you have a felony or a misdemeanor charge that is still pending. Very often an attorney will be the contact between the office of the pardon attorney and the uh, person involved that's asking for the pardon. In addition to pardoning someone for a crime, the president can opt to shorten or commute the length of the sentence for a crime. And sometimes they will commute the sentence to uh, time served, which means they basically get out right away. Additionally, there are two other types of pardons that I'd like to talk about. One of them is a conditional pardon, and that's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It is a pardon which remains in effect as long as the pardoned person meets specific conditions. A good example of a conditional pardon is one that President 45 granted during his last moments in office. Some of you may remember the former Republican congressman named Randall Duke Cunningham. He spent eight years in prison for accepting millions of dollars in what has been described by some as the largest congressional bribery scandal in the history of the country. And President 45 gave Cunningham a conditional pardon. The condition is that Cunningham still has to pay off all of the $3.6 million in restitution and forfeiture that were ordered levied against him as part of his sentence. Now, some of his rights have been restored, such as he can have a firearm again. But, in this case, he has to pay all of this money back and has to forfeit other things that he may own uh, according to the terms of his sentence. Normally, a full pardon just eliminates all parts of the conviction, including financial penalties. But in this case, everything didn't go. He still owed money. The next type of pardon I'd like to discuss is one that has been called the pocket pardon. Some people refer to it as a secret pardon. These are pardons that are not publicized to the public for some reason. Very often 
in the final days of a presidency, shortly after the president issues pardons, the White House will release to the press and to the public a list of the people who have been pardoned. But there is nothing in the Constitution that says pardons have to be publicized or released to the public in any particular manner or at all. Article 2, Section 2 says in part, quote, The President shall be Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy of the United States and of the militia of the several states, when called into the actual service of the United States, he may require the opinion, in writing, of the principal officer in each of the executive departments upon any subject relating to the duties of their respective offices, and he shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States except in cases of impeachment." End quote. So, this statement is, in my opinion, a bit vague because it mentions impeachment, but it doesn't say whose impeachment. In that statement, it mentions the commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy, and it mentions principal officers in each of the executive departments. But it doesn't spell out if impeachment applies to those people or to everyone. So it's one of those things that has not been tested in court. And it's very possible that President 45, in his final days in office, may have issued pocket pardons. We know that he offered pardons to people, at least according to some people he did. Kellyanne Conway was in his administration, and she said that he offered her a pardon which she said she didn't accept. There have been other people who have said that they didn't get a pardon after it was reported that they had asked for one. So, is it possible that President 45 pardoned himself and members of his family who were in his administration? Ivanka Trump, his daughter, and Jared Kushner, her husband and 45's son-in-law, testified before the January 6th committee, or is it commission? I think it's commission. The January 6th folks who are doing the investigation. 
And they apparently didn't plead the fifth. And that's kind of important because we don't know everything that they were asked, but they were under oath, apparently. And reports are that they didn't plead the fifth. So they either lied under oath or they told the truth and didn't have to worry about being prosecuted because they have a pocket pardon. We just don't know about it yet. And we certainly don't know everything that they testified to. That hasn't all come out yet. I assume it will eventually. But it's quite likely that 45's daughter and her son-in-law, who were so close to him during his presidency, would know where the bodies are buried, so to speak. And if they didn't plead the fifth, because if you know about a crime, if you know of a crime and you don't report it, then you're kind of guilty as well. You know, you guilty by association or whatever. So did they tell the truth? Knowing that they have a pardon? 45 has a lot of lawsuits facing him. A lot of them are in various states where he uh, has business interests. There have been reports that he reported the values of his particular properties extremely high in one instance if he was trying to secure a loan from a bank. And then that same property at about the same time would be given a lower assessment that he reported for tax purposes so that he could get out of paying his fair share of taxes on those properties, which is illegal. Now, as we've discussed, a presidential pardon doesn't cover anything in the various states. So anything that he's being investigated for in Georgia or in New York, I think there's a couple of others, he can't pardon himself out of those. But uh, any of the federal charges that might pop up at some point, does he have the ability to pardon himself? We don't know. And what is concerning is that some people think that Trump did indeed pardon members of his family and himself in his final hours in office. 45's former lawyer was a man named Michael Cohen. And he did a lot of dirty deeds for 45 over the years. And he believes that 45 did indeed issue himself a pardon. And According to Cohen, he thinks that uh, Trump will reveal those pardons 
if he gets indicted for anything. MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell said, quote, We should not trust the Trump pardon list when it is publicly revealed. There is no reason to believe Trump will make every pardon he grants in the final hours of his presidency public. End quote. And I did paraphrase that just a little bit because I'm reading from a couple of different sources here. Jeffrey Crouch is an assistant professor of American politics at the American University, and he is the author of the book, The Presidential Pardon Power. And his comment was, quote, did the norm-breaking president break one more on his way out the door, issuing pardons in secret to his friends, family, or even himself? Break in case of emergency documents to be produced if necessary? End quote. So, if that's the case, why is it that Trump didn't just publicly announce that he had pardoned himself as he was leaving office or before he left office? Well, there are a couple of reasons for that, likely, very likely. Uh, we need to remember that uh, in the weeks uh, just before and after Trump left office, his second impeachment uh, was taking place. And uh, he may want to have a little secret defense on his side that he reveals if he has to. And if he doesn't have to, then, you know, he doesn't have to deal with the uh, criticism. So, if there is a secret pocket presidential pardon, basically a self-pardon, <laughs> we're going to probably see this go to the Supreme Court of the United States once it's revealed. And there's a couple of things that are really concerning about this. Number one is that it's never been tested in court before, so we don't really know how this is going to turn out. And if he produces this secret pardon down the road, it would be really difficult for anyone to prove that it was issued on a certain date or that it was during his official capacity as President of the United States. I mean, he could get a piece of paper sitting at Mar-a-Lago and write himself a pardon and sign it and put a date on it from back when he was President. How would anybody be able to prove that it wasn't legit? Of course, he really has no way of proving that it is legit. Pardons are normally made public because if the person being pardoned is a public person, someone known 
to the public widely. And it's known that they were convicted of something and have been in prison, and then they're out seen walking the streets. <laughs> that might be problematic for some people who recognize them. I would think that this would create a lot of issues in the courts. This is one of those things that should have been dealt with long ago by Congress. In recent weeks, I have heard people on television and on other podcasts lament that Congress should have codified this. I think that that comment was made regarding uh, Roe v. Wade. After the Supreme Court wrote that Roe v. Wade was now the law of the land, Congress should have taken it up, written a bill, debated it, signed it, legislated it, and, and made it official. Should have gotten the president's signature, and it would have been a done deal at this point. There would be no discussion about it. Another issue that we're all dealing with right now is the right to vote. The right to vote is not specifically spelled out in the Constitution. And all that it needed to really say was that the right to vote shall not be infringed, except perhaps maybe in cases of a convicted felon. But that's another one of those things that Congress should have taken up at some point and dealt with and said that American citizens who are not convicted felons or restricted from voting by some other reason have the right to vote and that no one can infringe on that right. And if they had done that, if Congress had done that, we would not have states right now passing legislation that's making it more difficult for some people to vote. It's amazing to me that they're doing this out in the open. I would think that they would be somewhat ashamed of this but they're doing it out in the open. It seems like they're doing the same thing that 45 did. If you do it out in the open and you talk about it, you're not hiding it. It certainly can't be wrong, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, who knows? So we may find some things wind up in court and we know how things go when they get in court. It can take a long time to get resolved. So, what do you think? 
Does that uh, comment about uh, impeachment in the uh, pardon part of the uh, U.S. Constitution, does that include the president? Because 45 was impeached twice. He wasn't convicted in the Senate. Conviction could have removed him from office and would have prevented him from ever serving in a public capacity again. But we all know how that turned out because the Senate was basically controlled by the Republicans and they were not interested in the truth. So, Would that apply to Trump? He was impeached twice. And no matter what happened in the Senate, he does remain forever impeached and is the first president to have been impeached twice while in office, and this during just a single term, thankfully. Okay, so I took a little bit of a break, and I went back and checked it is the January 6th committee, not commission. Sorry about that. So to close this out, my question is, can a president pardon himself to evade being prosecuted for crimes that he committed while in office? So I've done some research online and uh, there are some opinions about that. But most feel that the constitutional part of this question is pretty straightforward. The rule of law requires that no official should be the judge in his or her or their own case. And the basis for that is that the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel advised President Richard M. Nixon back in 1974 that his constitutional power to grant reprieves and pardons did not extend to a self-pardon. And a lot of experts and scholars um, have conceded that there is room for debate because the framers adopted the broadly phrased pardon clause against a historical background where the concept of self-pardons had never been considered. Much like when the Second Amendment was being drafted, they never considered that there would be weapons that could kill so many people in such a short amount of time. So most agree with the Office of Legal Counsel opinion. The original meaning of granting a pardon uh, basically assumes that a person granting the pardon 
is a different person than the one who will be receiving it. So, <laughs> this is something that uh, more than likely will have to be tested in a court of law at some point if we continue to vote corrupt people into public office. Maybe as citizens, we should uh, take steps to be better informed and raise the level of accountability and raise the level of the standards of the people that we are letting, uh, allowing to represent us. We're voting for them so that they can represent our interests and instead of representing our interests, they represent their own. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to come on this, but uh, hold on, fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> As Betty Davis said, it's gonna be a bumpy night. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at Federal Andy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Mm -hmm.